Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am joined by two other podcasters, Joy Parrish and Claire Cock of This Is Joy and Claire, formerly known as Girls Gone Wad. I invited Joy and Claire on the show because Claire posted a really great reel on their Instagram page, and the tagline of the reel was, I saw other women stop obsessing over their bodies, so I stopped obsessing over my body. And we had this conversation about how we can stop this obsession and what Joy and Claire have found helpful for themselves and what I have found helpful helpful for myself, what I hope to help clients with. We talk about why it's such a thing, why it is so pervasive um, amongst you know women our age, 30s, 40s, 50s. We cannot get away from diet culture no matter how hard we try. So it really takes us changing the narrative ourselves, surrounding ourselves with other people who are talking about other even more important things going on in our lives. So I think you're going to find this episode really enlightening. I know it gave me some food for thought and um, I'm going to be implementing some changes moving forward just in the way that I talk about things, the way that I brand my program and myself because I need to be a part of the solution, right? As a person with influence, I can't be contributing to this problem. And so I want to take it upon myself to shift the narrative with as many people as I can. Enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to Far From Perfect with Kylie. And I am here with two other podcast hosts. So this is going to be a good one because we're all professionals here, right? (laughs) We're all so professional. (laughs) 10,000 hours, right? We're experts. Totally experts. I have got Joy Parrish and Claire Cock here, and they are with This Is Joy and Claire. Welcome, ladies. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. I guess good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is. Hello, everybody. Whatever time it is, whenever you listen to this. So Joy and Claire, they have their own podcast, and we're going to talk about a little bit about their evolution of that, but you guys have been doing this for nine years. Yeah, almost 10. Yeah. Yeah. We started in the spring of 2013 uh, when podcasting was still pretty new and there weren't a lot, especially uh, female voices in the kind of health and fitness podcast world. So it's been really fun to see how everything has continued to evolve. So I always assume that everybody knows who I know. Like we're in the same world kind of, and I assume everyone knows, but oftentimes they don't. So before we dive into our topic for today, Can you guys just tell us a little bit about each of yourselves and then we'll have our full on conversation. I want to start with you, Claire. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. So like we said, Joy and I started podcasting in the summer of 2013. Um, Back then we were very, very focused on CrossFit. Our podcast was called Girls Gone Wad and we spent um, about seven years, six and a half years on that podcast. And um, really we're focusing a lot on the CrossFit world and um, had a lot of great CrossFit athletes on, um, a lot of the CrossFit HQ folks were on, um, just were really, um, super into that whole lifestyle. But over the years, we 
ourselves started sort of separating a little bit, not necessarily separating, but, you know, CrossFit just became less of a huge part of our lives. And, um, through that process, when we started our podcast, I was engaged to my husband who I've now been married to for almost nine years. And, um, I have since had two kids, um, you know, we have gone through, I think between joy and I, our podcast has seen seven or eight job changes, um, several moves, like, it it's is like the stuff that happens in life. Yeah. And so we sort of naturally realized that we were evolving away from being just like CrossFit, 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 and more of just like, Hey, here's how two women have a conversation around the things that matter to us in life as two people for whom health and wellness and mental health are really high priorities for us. And so let's change our podcast focus and talk a little bit more just broadly about those topics. And so at the beginning of 2020, before the world changed. We um, rebranded our podcast to this is Joy and Claire and to try to give us a little bit more agency to just feel like we could talk about anything we wanted and also to bring more people into our community because we would consistently hear people say like, I never would listen to your podcast if you hadn't had XYZ guest on because I thought it was just about CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And you know, now I'm listening and really thinking it's about so much more. So, um, we made that shift at the beginning of 2020 and then obviously 2020 happened and changed everything for everyone in so many ways. And, um, since then we have kind of expanded into talking about anything you can think of. And, um, but because like I was saying, you know, health, wellness, mental health are still such huge parts of our lives and huge values that we hold. That does tend to be a lot of what we end up talking about. And sometimes we talk about, you know, kids and dogs and things. And, um, but for the most part, you know, we still do really come back to things like the ways that diet culture still rears its ugly head in our lives every day, no matter how much we don't want it to, or so on and so forth. Um, I, so yeah, I have two kids, a three and a half year old, almost four year old and a seven year old. And, um, I'm married to my husband of almost nine years, who is a registered nurse. Um, and I work full-time in marketing in the apparel industry. So, and you're the extrovert of the bunch. Very much so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's that like? What's that like being an extrovert? Cause I'm with joy. I'm an, I'm an innie. <laughs> But it's funny that people will say that because my persona often on the podcasts or even just in life, like at work, people are very surprised that I'm an introvert and it's the same with you because you're a bubbly person doesn't necessarily mean you're an extrovert. It just means like you have a bubbly personality, but you need to like spend 10 days recovering after a social event. And I feel like, like I'm married to an introvert also. And I actually feel like in stranger situations, he is so much more outgoing than I am. Like he will just strike up a conversation with like the bagger at the grocery store. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. I need to move. Like, let's get out of here. And so, um, it's just funny, the different ways that it can show up. But I, for me, I think, um, what I love about being an extrovert is feeling like I can meet people where they're at in a conversation. And like, I like being able to, um, kind of, you know, be the, the proverbial first person to like go through the buffet line. Yes. I love those people. (laughs) I was reading a book. Um, gosh, this is, I can't believe the author's escaping me because he's like a very famous joy. You probably know who it is. Uh, the book is called leaders eat last. And I was like, yeah, but like sometimes leaders got to eat first. Cause like, otherwise no one's going to go. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. I'm like, sometimes you got to be the one to break the ice. So I'm, yeah, that's my extrovert personality. Awesome. Well, (laughs) it's nice to finally meet you. I feel like I already know you. And I'm sure you hear people say that when they listen to y'all's podcasts on a regular basis, right? They know you, 
but it's nice to like officially like, how do you do? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. And honestly, that's one of the biggest compliments we can get is when people say, I feel like I know you and I, I know that's so weird. It's like, no, it's not weird. That's on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> we totally. love it. Well, Joy, and you've been on the podcast one time before, and I have to tell you one thing that I reference a lot, you said it when you were a guest a year ago or so, and you said, why, I can't remember if it was, why is big bad or why is big not as good? But I think about that a lot. Like you talk about this diet culture, and even though your podcast isn't specifically about that. I think maybe it comes around to it because we can't freaking escape it. Like we could be talking about molecular biology and somehow it would come up just because it's so pervasive. Yeah, it's going to be in our world. And I think that's something that when Claire and I decided to branch off and rebrand was we really felt we were a part of the problem in some sense by perpetuating this like fitness diet culture mentality and the name and the focus of the show. And it just felt really icky to us. And some people really came to us just for that talk. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. We did change our audience because of that, but that was intentional and we can't stay the same person, nor do we want to stay the same. Uh, And I think that that is, has always been in the back of my mind as we're talking about things of like, well, this is starting to not feel great because we're seeing the damage that it's doing to people's lives. And so I think what I came down to, because I think for a while it was like, we don't even want to utter the word fitness and we don't even want to utter the word diet. And, you know, we can still have that conversation, but I think it's just, we're really mindful of how we have that conversation and that it, recognizing the harm that it can do if we really just put the focus on it. And so it, that was, that's something that we're kind of always trying to figure out as well of like, how do you have that conversation? Because it's fine to like, quote unquote, live a healthy lifestyle, but we also just don't want that to be, it's out there anyway. Like, can we just stop talking about it? Like we want to be one less voice that's talking about it. Yes. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Um, yeah, I know it. It's so hard for me too, and we'll talk about that later. I actually have a. I think it's a really good question for you guys. But it, when I listen to you guys speak and I watch you on social media, it makes me remember how powerful our words are, like the intention behind them. We, I mean, I know we don't need to like analyze every single thing that we say, but we do need to be mindful. <laughs> Well, if you think about it also, when you're in a vulnerable place as, as just a person, we all can think back at the time in our lives when um, someone said something that really stuck with us in a negative way or a positive way. And those negative things really stick with you, particularly younger people, particularly young women who have insecurities about their bodies. And I can think of like very acute memory core memory of like a comment someone made about me or something that someone said in passing or commented on how I looked. And that starts to kind of like really latch on and take on a new life and really be formative, sometimes in a bad way about your belief system. So I think it's just being really sensitive to that and trying to get people to recognize that as well of why are you doing these behaviors? Is it because of a inner voice that's telling you to, that there's something wrong with you? And so that's kind of the the place that I go to when we talk about this. I love it. And we've, we've also been talking a lot lately around 
as somebody who is, you know, a quote unquote influencer, or even just somebody with people who follow you other than just like your friends and family, there is a fine line between, or there can be a fine line between posting things and with the reality that like, not everyone's going to resonate with it. Not everyone's necessarily going to like it. You're going to have some, you know, some pushbacks, some negative comments, maybe versus posting things that could really be harmful, but then sort of washing your hands of it and being like, well, you know, if that's how you take it, that's on you. And like, where is that line between, Hey, I'm posting this for myself and you know how you're going to take it. I can't, I can't control everyone, but also understanding that there are certain things that are more likely to be taken that way. You know, maybe a before and after photo is an example, or maybe a, what I ate in a day is an example where it's like, those are starting to get to the point where they're feeling a little less responsible, a little bit more like you are just feeding into that machine. I agree. And because we do have to take responsibility for that. I know I can't be responsible for everyone's feelings and thoughts, but don't you want to be a good human? (laughs) We're here for a bigger purpose. Yeah. It's looking for the bigger picture. And are you contributing to the problem? Are you contributing to the solution? And then Mm In my opinion, we can't really just be on an island anymore. We can't just be like, well, I'm going to post this. And if you have a significant following, you're you're responsible. You're responsible for the content that you put out there. We just don't have the luxury in this world anymore to be like, well, I'm just no consequences for me. I'm just going to lob this grenade and everyone can deal with it. And it's not my responsibility how you take it. I just don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I don't, I I think if I have like, you know, even 200 followers or whatever, like on my personal account, Mm -hmm. that you just want to be mindful of like, what are you putting out there? There's such larger issues going on. And it really kind of contributes to that group think Mm -hmm. that I think it's important that we are accountable. I agree with you. Before we go farther, Joy, can you share just a little bit about yourself as well? Sure. Uh, <laughs> where do you want to start? What you do? No, I, I, uh, I'm 45 years old. I'm a Virgo. I have been a mental health therapist for about 20 years, working with a wide range of population from children to adults and mostly in an outpatient setting. So I have a pretty uh, significant background in kind of all the diagnoses across the spectrum, but really passionate about, um, just getting people to a place of feeling better about themselves. And I really uh, enjoy watching people's journey through therapy Um, because it's not easy. I think I was just talking to a client yesterday about how great it has been to see the evolution of therapy being more normalized. When I was even in grad school, it was still kind of like a weird taboo thing. Even I thought that I had not been in therapy myself when I started grad school. And I remember even feeling weird going to therapy. So it's just such an interesting journey to kind of see how now it's very normalized and telehealth is such a big boom. But um, right now I work for a company called Headspace, which is the same company as the meditation app. And they have a platform for employers to provide therapy to their employees. So it's a really great gig. I love it. Uh, and of course, I love podcasting and I've been doing this as a I don't know, side hustle, if is that what we call it? Uh for 10 years with Claire. I wore my mental health matters shirt for you. I noticed that. I did it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I noticed that right away. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And my team like will say, you know, I, I can't come to this meeting because I have therapy, or I'm not available during this time because I have therapy. And I'm like, yes, 
Let's take care of ourselves. Let's yeah, normalizing that is good. Yeah, I mean, and I live in a world now that, you know, we meditate before every team meeting and like it's it's really that that's so normalized and I I came from from pretty I came from some pretty toxic workspaces that now that I'm in a good place it's like wow oh this is how it should be right you don't realize how bad it is when you're in it until you're yeah until you're in a good place and you're like oh this is what it's like when people are like yeah you need to go pick up your kids see you tomorrow you know <laughs> well I'm so happy for you that's fantastic thank you so the real reason I wanted to have you on. Yeah, the real reason. Was a reel that that Claire made. I love reels. Reels is my job. I can't believe it's my job, right? They're, everyone has different feelings about social media. I love it. I couldn't do my job without it. I'm grateful for it every day. So I was looking at your reel, Claire, and it was, I know you guys are Mean Girls fans, and it was Mean Girls audio. And it was, I saw Katie Herring wearing cargo shorts and whatever, cargo pants. Army and, pants and flip-flops. Yes, army pants and flip-flops. <laughs> And the audio that you put over or the caption you put over it was, I saw other women stop obsessing over their bodies. So I stopped obsessing over mine. And I was just like, praise hands. Yes, this is the vibe. How can we, how can I help with this? So I just want to have that conversation. Starting with, you know, what has helped you guys stop obsessing over your bodies? What yeah. I think going back to what we were saying about, you know, trying to shift our focus as a podcast, like I, for me, the change really started happening. Um, when I was, excuse me, um, after I had my first kiddo and I remember, you know, the postpartum period, if anyone has, for anyone who's gone through it is a weird time to be in your body. You know, there's just pregnancy is a weird time to be in your body. It's changing in ways that you have no control over. It's different every day. And you really have to just sort of let it happen. There's, you know, you can't control it. And in this way that especially diet culture makes us think that like we can control every little thing about the way our body looks, um, pregnancy and postpartum really rips that out from under you in a way that is very destabilizing for a lot of people, but can provide a lot of freedom if you are able to let go of that grip. So for me, that's when I first had that experience. I remember being, I don't know, maybe six or eight months postpartum and driving home one day and literally having this like epiphany, which, um, I suddenly realized like, I just don't care. Like, I don't feel the need to be on a diet right now. I don't feel the need to be busting my butt in the gym. I, it, and it wasn't even like, I love myself where I'm at. It was like, I just don't care. And I'm not saying that from a place of like, previously the diet culture voice in my head would be like, well, that means you're giving up. That means you don't love yourself. That means you don't care about yourself. And it's like, no, actually I love and care about myself so much that I can make this no longer a focus in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that moment like cured me of ever worrying about my body ever again, but it was this just taste of like, oh my gosh, I have the option to just not give a crap about this. And that option felt like it had never been presented to me that no one had ever been like, you know what, Claire, that's it's optional to worry about this all the time Mm -hmm. because the conversation around us is like, that should be your every waking thought should be focused on like the improvement of your physical self. And so from there, I started kind of, you know, Joy and I started talking a lot about it on the podcast and I'll let Joy get into, you know, she had gone through some super toxic, um, 
consequences of getting super hard into like macro counting around that same time. And, um, her recovery from that really paralleled this postpartum period that I was having. And, um, we started to realize that the biggest thing that helped us was when we saw people out in the world who were doing things and just not even their bodies were just a non-issue. Yeah. And so it wasn't even the post where it's like, I knew that this, you know, you could see my cellulite in the swimsuit, but I did it anyway. It was just like, here I am at the beach, you know, and we talk a lot about how like those posts around, oh, I did it anyway, even though you could see my cellulite, those can be helpful for people. That is a process. A lot of us has to have to go through. And so verbalizing it and calling that out is part of the journey, but what really like gives me permission to just make it not a priority is when I see other people just out in the world in their various shapes and sizes and, you know, cut, like if you are hairy, if you have boobs that are different sizes, like all the different things, not just even between bigger or smaller bodies, like all the random crap that is different about our bodies that we don't ever acknowledge. And it's just not an issue for them. And they're just doing their thing. And you can tell that like, whatever it is about their physicality that you might look at and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. You know, I would never do that looking like that for them. It's just not even on the top of their mind right now. And to me, that's so empowering because I have this moment of like, Oh, we're allowed to not worry about this. Okay, great. Thank you. So great. And those people also, I feel like they are freer. They're happier. I, you know, yeah, I work with one, you know, with this stuff. And one of the things I come back to, I'm like, I wonder how much time these people are thinking about this. What yeah, and I mean, they- right. And I have no illusions that those people have never had those thoughts. Right. Or, you know, we all live in this world. We all were, you know, if you are in your thirties to forties to fifties, you were raised in a super toxic diet culture, low fat, special K handful, of special K for breakfast. You know, like the, the trend right now is like, if you had a handful of almonds, mom, like we all had a handful of almonds moms. Right. And so like, we all watched Tyra Banks. What's the other one? That's like, if you may be, um, you may be, uh, eligible for compensation. If you watch Tyra Banks tell uh, people on America's next time model that they were too big. Oh my God. <laughs> right. But like, if you look back at our like childhoods and teenage years and like what was out there, it is no wonder that this is what the internal conversation still is to this day. And we also talk about a lot, like it's never going to, or potentially never, and probably never going to completely be a non-issue. Joy and I are far from being in a post diet culture mentality. There is for us because of the way that we were brought up and all of our various circumstances, there is no, probably never going to be a post diet culture mindset for us. It is a a day to day where you notice what's happening and you make the conscious choice to just not engage in that same way that you used to. And sometimes that's harder. Some days that's harder. Some days it's easier. Some days it's not possible, Mm -hmm. but it's those people who are out there just living their lives. And so clearly just not giving any F's Mm -hmm. about, about that part that you're like, it does just feel very like, this is my permission. Like again, I saw I saw uh, Regina George wearing army pants and flip-flops. So I wore army pants and flip-flops. Like it's exactly that feeling of like, I saw this woman not caring. And so it gave me permission to not care. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
It's almost like going into battle every day because we do live in a world where we're going to be comparing ourselves no matter what. Yep. Comparison just happens. It is probably some, <clears throat> somewhere like in our survival mode of we have to kind of see where we are in the pack. Yeah. And this is just the version of comparing ourselves, but we, we are in it every single day. So that's going to be there. It's never going to be 1000% out of our vision. Mm -hmm. So how do we live in a world where this is going to be constantly thrown into our face? Look, there's times when I, like, I really want to watch certain reality shows because I love reality shows, but I can't watch the Kardashians because I end up feeling horrible about myself because I'm like, oh, what if I had enough money to do all these things to my body and face and hair and teeth and whatever? Like, what would it look like? It's a very weird mind space. That's where I go. I'm not saying that's what everyone experiences, but like, that's where the comparison really gets me. Um, but kind of back to the original question too, of like how you stop that was, I, you know, again, I'm 45. There's a lot of elements that go into it and I'm not completely over it, but I think what, what happened for me was a variety of things, but very quickly I'll summarize is a, I got tired. I was just really tired. I had been through years of overexercising and under eating years of just beating myself up in my head uh, to where you all of a sudden realize, at least for myself, realize that my body's going to be my body no matter what. It's going to do what it's going to do no matter what I put it through because our bodies are way smarter than our brains. Like in terms, what I mean by that is like we could, we could mentally try to like sculpt ourselves into like what we want, mm -hmm. but our body's going to like trip that it's going to trump that card. It's going to be like, yeah, that's nice and all, but we we're going to do this to keep ourselves alive. And so there was a lot of that going on, uh, you know, back when I was doing macro counting, when we were doing the girls gone wild podcast, I developed an eating disorder that was pretty like really weird space for me to be in came out of that. Um, and I'm glossing through this without going into like major deep dive of everything, but it was just like a learning because after that, I'm like, oh yeah, I really kind of screwed myself over by doing that. Like mm -hmm. that wasn't fun. I looked what someone might objectively say shredded. I don't know. I felt like I looked horrible when I look back at those photos. I don't look at like a version of me that I recognize. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I look at is everything that was all of a sudden turned into this like body positivity thing um, and loving yourself felt like there was still this undercurrent of thinness that was needed to be achieved. So it was like uh, intuitive eating became the big thing, but everyone felt like intuitive eating was also the answer to become thin. Yeah. It was really weird. And so I'm like, this is all just bull crap. Like I, this is all just masked in trying to control our bodies. Mm -hmm. And then of course we get into, I'm not going to go into this, but like the political climate with a lot of just very poor, poor administration and uh, mistreatment of women. And like, that was kind of really put to the forefront of my brain. And I think the kicker as well um, that I still am recovering from, or at least like have been, been in remission from was I was in a really bad toxic work environment that resulted in Graves disease. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, saw how stress impacts your body. And I thought at the time that I was relieving stress by 
running a lot because I was so stressed at work. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I was just putting so much stress on my body with exercise that I developed an autoimmune disorder. And so I have been through it all. I think that now I'm like, oh, treating your body nice and resting and just being like as neutral as you can about food and nourishment and whatever that looks like for you. That's kind of the culmination of me getting to this point. I'm like, I am just exhausted from, and why am I feeding into this? Uh, we're so much smarter than that. I know, and I do not want to um, kind of discount. There are true diagnoses, clinical level eating disorders that we can't just say that's something you just need to stop paying attention to the diet culture. That's not how you treat a diagnosed, a diagnosed eating disorder. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is just kind of like, for the general public, uh, people who don't have a clinical level of a, of a disease or a disorder that why are we doing this and what is it tied to? And I think there's a lot of things that we can unravel as humans when we look at that. And also like how much time are we spending thinking about this? Like, yeah, the brain space is pretty powerful. Um, and I kind of want to spend my brain dollars on something different now. Like I just don't, I could do so much more with it. I know that's a very like easy and simple way to summarize it because I understand there's a lot of pain wrapped up in food and emotions. And this is not just an easy fix by any stretch of the imagination, but it is something where I think a lot about like, so now I choose to put my focus elsewhere. Cause that just like, I've, I've seen it, I've done it, I've tried it mm -hmm. and, and it just, it's not really treating me nicely. And so I just don't want to do that anymore. And I'm like work in progress. I think yeah, one I thing I want to, sorry, really quickly call out though, is that like, we're, we're talking about this from an enormous place of physical privilege and, you know, no, regardless, like we can step outside of that conversation and still exist in what are really considered default bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, we are still fitting in straight size clothes. We have white skin. We are able-bodied, you know, I may not have a perfectly flat stomach, but there's nothing and you know, whatever joy may not be as shredded as she once was, but there is really still nothing about our bodies, even with this shift in mindset, or even, you know, without focusing on diet culture that takes us out of the normal range. And I say normal with a humongous air quotes, but what people would consider that to be, and what is kind of a standard of you know, um, default the way that, you know, default looks. And I think, um, so in a way it is easy for us to say, oh, you know, I just stopped thinking about it. Well, yeah, because it's, we can move through the world without it being called to our attention yes. constantly. And it, I mean, it is called to our attention, but in, in ways that are not as, um, the, in ways that are not attacks, you yeah. know, we can look away from that and, and go about our days without it being, forced down our throats or without being really discriminated against. We are not discriminated against because of how our bodies look. And so it's easy for us to have this conversation and say, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But I also think there is a part of that where it's like, I, you know, for, if we're speaking specifically to body size, like how much of that problem of discrimination based on body size is going to be fixed by continuing to focus on diet culture. Mm -hmm. Zero. Yep. And so even though I recognize it's easy for me to just opt out of this in a way that many people cannot opt out or, you know, don't feel empowered to opt out. I also think that 
in the end, opting out in what, in whatever way you can is going to be what, what solves the issue in the long run. And it's going to take generations. Oh yeah. But I think I just really wanted to bring that up too, of like, we're saying this from the standpoint of, I can still walk into any clothing store and buy and find clothes that are going to fit me. I can still sit down in a, you know, walk into a restaurant or an airplane and not worry about not fitting in those areas. Mm -hmm. I can still exist in the world without being worried about being discriminated against because of how I look in any way. Um, and I think that that's not a small thing. So it's not, it's also, you know, in the same way joy was like, it's not, if you have an eating disorder, it's not as easy as just like, as just saying, oh, I'm going to unfollow the Kardashians. If you are being discriminated against for how you look, it's not as easy as just saying like, oh, I'm just not thinking about it anymore. I'm so glad you brought that up. I started following this woman on Instagram. Her name is Rafaela Mancuso. She went viral with her Weight Watchers pretend tweets. And like the first one is we would like to form, and this is her posing as Weight Watchers. We would like to formally apologize for all the eating disorders we cause. Of course, she wouldn't say that. They wouldn't say that for real. And there were a few others. I'll put it in the show notes. But the other day she was saying how when, you know, we as, you know, able-bodied and all that, when someone like us says we're fat or we feel fat, we are doing that community a huge disservice because like you said, we can find seats on the bus, on the airplane, we can walk into any, and I had never thought about it like that, but that's very powerful. Um, And I love that you brought that up, Claire. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like if you've, you know, I would really encourage everyone listening to this to go out and seek out more fat creators Mm -hmm. and, you know, women out there and men out there who are really reclaiming the word fat and saying like, there is nothing wrong with, you know, I am fine being described as fat because that is what I am. I'm fat. Mm -hmm. And let's stop pretending that this is like, you know, people are, I follow a lot of fat, fat creators who will say, oh, I'm fat. People will be like, oh no, you're beautiful. And they're like, yeah, I am beautiful. And I'm fat. Like mm-hmm. we need to stop. It's so baked into our, yeah, that, that, yeah. that fat is <laughs> negative. Like, and they're like, this is yeah. a word that describes my body. Let's stop right. pretending that it's a bad word to say that it's, hor- you know, that it's offensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then even again, like when you're saying like, when not you, when people say, oh, I feel fat, it's like that what you're, what you mean is, oh, I don't feel good in my body. And so when fat is synonymized, synonymous, synonymized is a synonym with not feeling good in your body that wildly perpetuates Mm -hmm. that assumption that fat is bad. And we need to do everything we can to not be that. Mm -hmm. I agree. And the other thing that you brought up Claire too, was I've talked to other women. In fact, I just had this conversation two weeks ago at the grocery store. I ran into a, an old friend. We used to go to the same gym and she had since had a baby. And, um, we, you know, when I talk to people, we go deep, we go fast. Like I want to go deep fast. We're not talking about the weather and what's new. We're going to talk about our bodies, how we're feeling about our bodies and all that. And she was like, you know, Kylie, one of the things that helped me get over you know, our weird exercise habits that we have, our weird food, weird food stuff, disordered, whatever, was having her son. She's like, I don't have the time. I'm tired. I got bigger things to worry about. So it's like this shift in perspective, you start to realize what's really important in your life. And that's powerful. I think another thing that can help is if we let it, you know, we're, Joy and I are of similar age. How old are you, Claire? 35? I just turned 35. Okay. Yeah. So you're not perimenopausal yet. Joy, you and I are, um, is this is super fun. Yeah. It's great. It's good times, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
super fun. If we let it be this time of acceptance, like I'm finally, the way I look at it is I'm finally an adult. I know that sounds weird coming out of a 43 year old's mouth, but I haven't thought of myself as an adult, (laughs) but now I'm an adult. And so I, it's okay for me to show up as I am without manipulating my body for what other people might think it should be, what I think it should be based on what I see around me. I think this time of perimenopause could also be a really powerful time in a woman's body to like reclaim her body, her life, anything. I think that it's so interesting too. Like, I mean, again, I'm 35, so I'm not quite there yet, but I would say the majority of the people who are like, you know, Joy is one of my closest friends. She's 10 years older. You know, most, a lot of my friends are, are perimenopausal. And the thing I find that's really fascinating about it is the change. It's just such an easy way to like, look at this apples to apples change between how we were taught about our bodies 30 years ago when puberty was happening versus how women's bodies are talked about now and how that information is available and how it's no longer, you know, shameful to ask someone for a tampon, you know, like even just something to that degree where 30 years ago, it was like, you were brought into another room. The doors were closed. The boys were not invited in to learn about this. You were given the bare bones basics and nothing more than you needed to survive in terms of your, of information about your hormones. I mean, forget your hormones about your period. It was all about your period. Forget anything else that was going on. It was like, you know, everybody watched that movie where it was like, am I dying? Like, you know, it was basically was like just enough information so that you knew that when you got your period, you weren't going to die. Yeah. Immediately. (laughs) And that was kind of it. Like that seemed to be the educational objective was like help 10 year old girls understand that they're not imminently dying when their period comes. But now there's so much more, first of all, research out there, but also just openness around talking about it in it. So I feel like entering that perimenopause period is a time is like (laughs) a magical time in a woman's life where (laughs) you are finally having this empowering moment of like, I can understand my body. The information is out there. It's no longer shameful to want to know and understand and dig in and, and explore what this means and like own it. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I'm seeing a lot of women have that experience of just like, oh, and I love that for the young people now who are going through sex ed and are not just being closed in, you know, in like the back room of the gym, Mm -hmm and handed a giant maxi pad and been like, I hope you never need this. Like, it's great to see how far we've come. And I think that that's a huge part of the conversation and about the shift. And that, you know, I think it's all related when it comes to the information that we're giving people, women and, you know, people with, um, uteruses Mm -hmm. and vaginas about how to know what the heck is going on in your body. Because I think that's where it starts is this feeling of shame around wanting information and wanting to be the person who individually makes the decisions about yourself and is not waiting for someone else to tell you how to manage these things. And that ladders up into how we feel about our bodies for the rest of our lives. I'd agree with that. And, you know, also for those of us that do choose to have kids, I think we're helping that conversation for those future generations. You better believe my son knows what a period is, what perimenopause. He's ten. He knows what perimenopause is. He calls tampons vagina diapers. How is he ten? I know. How is how is he ten years old? We just hung out the other day, and he was like a baby. A baby. It happens. <laughs> okay, so hold on. we don't need to waste time worrying about everything. 
I want to just, I want to gloss over the fact that your son calls tampons vagina diapers. Yeah. He's like, mommy, like your vagina diapers are, you know. Yeah. They're in the, they're, they're on the counter. You know, that's kind of what they are. That's exactly that. I'm so proud of him for that. Like, yes. But I, so I think, you know, it's, it's also while we're going to be in this forever, like we talk about, there's glimmers of hope, at least with this kind of stuff. And I'll see the girls at the gym. I love younger people. And when I see the girls at the gym with all different kinds of bodies, and I'm talking like 17-year-old girls, and they're out there and they're lifting weights and they're wearing what they want to wear. Yeah, I see that too at the gym and I I love it. just like, it takes everything in me not to go up to them and be some strange old lady at the gym, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. But I love it and I'm... Because when I was that age, you know, I was just so self-conscious and yeah, everything was like covered up and everything. Like you had to have, I guess, that a certain aesthetic uh, to be at the gym wearing tighter clothes. And now everyone just wears whatever they want. And there's a lot of body diversity that I see at the gym wearing like again tighter clothes that does it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not a thing. And I love that so much. I think it's very. I, I agree with you when I see younger generations doing that. I'm like, okay, good. Hopefully this tide continues to turn. I do want to say really quick though, I saw that article, I don't know, maybe it was a month ago about like, oh, the nineties heroin chic is back. And I'm like, well, it's not, you're just trying to make an article about it. And I think we're smart enough now. Like we're not stupid. Nope. We're not stupid. You know, I, I think in the nineties, sure. There was a lot of, it was different. It was a different time. Social media was not a thing, not even a whiff of a thing. And so you did live in a bubble where you thought, oh, is this the way I'm supposed to look? And we're in a more vulnerable space as young women to think that that was how we were supposed to look in the grunge era and blah, blah, blah. And so when that article came off, I just laughed because I'm like, oh, we, you, you're not going to survive this. Like, sure, you can think that that's going to be a thing, but there are way too many powerful voices, smart voices that were like, uh, nice try. I loved it. I had several younger women message me and they were like, they, I'd never heard this before, but one in particular, she said, women's bodies are not a trend. And I was like, awesome, Erin. Great quote. Anyway, Claire, do you have a hard stop right now? I want to be mindful. Thank you. No, it's okay. I was able to shift some. Okay, perfect. Because I do want to ask y'all one more question. This is purely selfish. Because I help women, I educate them on how to eat. And I like to phrase it as that because it's, I want them to know how to eat, to fuel their bodies, to eat enough. And then we do talk about lifting. How can someone in my area, how can we talk about this so we're not perpetuating a problem? Or what what should we not be saying that we probably know all those things, but just can you, you guys help me? understand what's appropriate, what, what's moving the conversation forward and not keeping us stuck. I mean, I think the number one thing you can do is showcase a wide range of diverse bodies in your website, in your social media, in an authentic way, you know, don't just like go find stock photos, but Mm -hmm. seek out a diverse range of bodies in your client types and not in like a before and after way, but truly in like a way that if I were to come to your page and this is speaking to anyone out there who provides fitness services. Like if I were to come to your page, I would feel like, oh, it's not just one type of person who uses these types of programs. Yeah. I think the other big thing is being really mindful about
I think the other big thing is being really mindful about just the words that you're using to describe the goals that you have for your clients. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like to, you know, put you on the spot a little bit, like the word, the phrases like leaning out, you know, I think those can be really tricky for people because it is, you know, or like toning up or slimming down and these things where maybe they, those used to feel like the, the less, um, aggressive terminology. Now we kind of see like, oh, this is still code for lose weight. Yeah. And this is still code for prioritizing a certain body type. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that, you know, again, like going back all the way to the beginning of this episode where we're talking about what is it, what is the difference between what we have responsibility to control versus what we just can't, can't control of other people's reactions, Mm -hmm. really digging into the words you're using and thinking like, is this a code for weight loss? Am I, if I'm being honest with myself, is this a code for weight loss? Or if I'm being honest with myself, is this a code for a certain body type? Mm-hmm. And if it is, then own it and be like, yeah, this is a program for building muscle and losing fat. And like, if that's what you want, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that that is an incorrect goal for someone to have, mm-hmm. but I think it's hard to be, you can't do both. You can't say like, I am body type agnostic. I you know, whatever your body composition is, is not the issue. This is about you eating enough so that you can gain strength. Mm-hmm. Say that, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, um, there are just so many code words out there now for like, you know, like what was the one joy that we hated? Oh, dial in your nutrition. Where it was like, we were like, I'm just going to dial in my nutrition. And Mm -hmm. it's like, what does that even mean? And basically what you're saying is like, I'm going on a calorie deficit. Okay. If you want to go on a calorie deficit, go on a calorie deficit, but don't like zhuzh it up. Like, and what was the other, there's another one that I was like, this is the new dialing in your nutrition. Um, Joy, do you remember this? We had, I feel like I texted you about it the other day. I can't remember. This is going to Oh, it, yes. I know. We saw an influencer and I oh, was like, oh, 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 setting boundaries is the new dialing in your nutrition. Yeah, setting that's boundaries. Like, yeah. But that's another conversation. Setting, but yeah, no, but like, you know, those are like, those are the code words that influencers start using where you're like, oh, that sounds great. And then you get down into it yeah. and you're like, oh, this is still the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think just being honest with yourself and like being upfront with your language and, and, recognizing that like, if I'm using a code word for weight loss, then I'm just actually going to call it weight loss so that people, if they want to lose weight, there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. on its face, you know, search your soul and think about why you want to do that for yourself. But like, just call it that. Yeah. I'm going to defer to one of our great friends, the sassy dietitian, Laura Ligos. She's mm-hmm. amazing with this dialogue. And I'm constantly referencing her and even just, we've talked to her on the podcast multiple times because it really comes and, and my friends who work specifically in the eating disorder realm in therapy, it always comes down to why, why do you want to seek nutrition guidance? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I have a really hard time kind of compartmentalizing this into like one answer because there's so many issues that people bring to the table with food and history with food. So it's like, my first question is always, what is their relationship history like with food? Um, and then that kind of scares me a little bit because people start to kind of go, I, in a perfect world, I would love people to always have a therapist to talk to if they're working on any kind of like nutrition plan, if they have like emotionally loaded history with food, because you can't just fix it through dialing in your nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so I think asking the question why 
and kind of getting in a little bit around that because most of the time it has a lot to do with your core beliefs about yourself uh, and what your mantra is to yourself and how you talk to yourself. So how we do one thing is how we do everything. And if you're talking really negatively about yourself and then all of a sudden you want to change your nutrition, well, that's not going to fix your inner dialogue. You really need to be nice to yourself. So there's a lot of that wrapped up into it. And then there was something else I was going to say and I forgot, but it was basically like just really getting to that point of the why behind it Mm -hmm. and what, you know, if you're, if you're going to someone for guidance on this, if you want a certain outcome, but it's really going to cause you a lot of like that inner strife and inner turmoil, like kind of maybe reevaluate that. And also like, how are you talking to yourself about this whole process? Because that's ultimately, that's not going to fix anything. Well, and I think one of the most important things is us having conversations like this, like getting honest with ourselves um, and recognizing that it's not diets aren't what they seem to be, right? It's not just about the weight loss, right? It's about those core beliefs we have about ourselves. Oh, always so much to think about you guys. I know it is. And I think again, like it's important to realize that there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with testing and learning about your body. Mm -hmm. And that is something we always try to come back to is it's like, it's okay to want to feel a certain way. It's actually even okay to want to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And when we swing weight, like all the way on the other side and people start feeling like they can't have those desires for their body either. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, actually we want a situation where you are free to want to look however you want to look without the outside influences being the voice inside your head. Mm -hmm. And that's really the goal is not like everyone should just stop completely stop caring and just like, you know, it's more around empowering people to make that decision for themselves and truly like let it, let us exist in a world where our voice of what we want is the loudest voice and Mm -hmm. not the voices around us telling us you should be doing this. You should be eating a certain way. You should be looking a certain way. And then opening up the space for like, what would that mean for me? What would I actually want to feel like? What would I actually want to look like if someone was not telling me how I should feel and how I should look? And that's the space we're trying to get to. And I think that it's again, like, it's okay. Go find a nutritionist, go or a dietitian or a personal trainer, or try that new workout class or try that new sport or whatever the case may be. Like own those things, feel empowered by them though. Don't mm-hmm. feel chained to them. Yeah. I and feel, that I, I feel, feel like is a difference. I feel like the, the, the part that I have a hard time with, and this is like, again, for another day is it feels as though the diet diet culture, whether it be seeking out nutrition help or going to the gym is tied to an equation of this plus this equals thinness. Mm-hmm. And that to me feels really icky where it's like, all right, well, the end goal should never be thinness. Mm-hmm. Cause I, that it, I even you know want to add I mean? on to that. Like this plus this equals thinness, which equals happiness. Mm. Right. Right. So I think we need to be careful of like where, what the equation is in our head and why it like, goes back to the why, but I can't separate that when people start talking about it, it's, it goes real, real quickly into that default mode mm-hmm. where I think what we're trying to do is expand that conversation of well, when you start doing these behaviors, again, there's nothing wrong with them at its face value, but if we kind of dig a little deeper 
are we just lying to ourselves because we really just want to go to that thinness equals happiness thing? Mm -hmm. And that's where the problem lies. So it's kind of, we just it, awareness, self-awareness. That's what I preach every single day with my clients. It's like, just be self-aware, be self-aware when these emotions come up and be like, oh, okay, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And it's not to say it's wrong because we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're constantly learning, but in order to really dive deep and learn lessons from it and try to break all that crap that we've been taught, we have to pause when all of this comes up and be like, all right, wait a minute. Is this the route that I want to go? And how am I talking to myself about this stuff? So not to totally change the subject, but um, how are you feeling, Joyce? Last time we chatted, you were in the middle of your graves. How how are you feeling? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, as of June of last year, I think it's been so long. I'm in full remission, so it's completely healed. Uh, I worked with a naturopathic doctor and did a lot of work on my health and wellness and really changing some things with my diet for the purpose of getting all my blood work back to normal. There's another, there's another reason why I would work on my diet in a different way yeah. is that my blood work was all out of whack. Um, so I'm, I'm in remission, but I, it required a lot of work, uh, and reevaluating workouts. I stopped CrossFit. I stopped high intensity workouts because it was killing my thyroid and my adrenals and my, mm -hmm. all of my hormones. And so that was another reason why fitness changed for me and I'm totally happy. And it took a lot of practice, but I'm like, walking is great. Walking is my best friend. Maybe doing lifting some weights every now and then without like laying down on the floor for five minutes, unable to move. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't. It, yeah. So I'm better. Thank you for asking. Good. I, I know, plan to mom. stay that way. My mom has always been a walker, always. Like when I was little, when I couldn't fit in the stroller anymore, she would pull me in the wagon, like, and I would fall asleep going over the duh, 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 so I could sleep on a plane or in a car, no problem. Anyway, my mom's like, I see you're walking now all the time, Kylie. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, great. Mom. <laughs> She's like, maybe if you had listened to me 40 years ago, you could have gotten a jump start on this mm -hmm. trend. <laughs> yeah. All the story is listen to your mom, unless she yeah. was a handful of almonds, mom. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh my gosh. Well, you guys, thank you so much. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for all the conversations that you have. Like, I know that you guys are making a difference in so many people's lives. So you're awesome. Thank you thank for you. saying that. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. I'll make sure everyone knows where to find you so they can also listen to your podcast. Um, yeah. I'm grateful for your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having the conversation. Thank you. Anytime. Have a great weekend. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Wow. Right. Such good conversation. You guys, thank you for sticking with me for that entire conversation. Because like I said in the intro, we have to change the conversation it's up to us. We can do better. Our kids deserve better because it doesn't just impact our daughters. I know it also impacts our sons because I work with men also and the men have the same issues as the females. So join me in changing the conversation, elevating the conversation, if you will. And, um, you know, if you want help with this, I know that lift to get lean is a misnomer and I'm actually working on that right now behind the scenes. Um, 
we do change the conversation in my program. We do teach you how to eat and we do teach you how to lift the weights. And it's great if you're not a beginner, like if you have a strong foundation, that's awesome. But we go deeper into, you know, what is your relationship with food? What is your inner voice? What are these patterns that you have? Why do you do the things that you do? Why are you trying to look a certain way? And as Claire talked about it, it's it's wonderful to have aesthetic goals. There's nothing wrong with having physique goals, nothing at all. But let's make sure we have those goals because it's our choice, what we want, what you want, not what someone else dictates for you. So uh, the next round of Lift, Get, Lean, and Revive will start on January 9th. Um, it's going to be the first round of the year is always awesome because we incorporate the book Atomic Habits. So if you want to go even deeper into creating change and developing habits that serve you in the long run, the January round is the round for you. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you soon.